This week on Rock Awakening, trust in power exchange relationships, adding a third in penis size reduction pills. We'd like to thank our latest Patreon supporters, Just Eric and Matt S. We like we enjoy creating and recording these podcasts, and we hope you enjoy listening to them. <laughs> when you become our patron, it gives us the chance to apply more energy towards creating. For as little as a dollar a month, you not only can support the podcast, but get access to special content as well. So head over to patreon.com slash erotic awakening to take a look at the options. And regardless, thank you and enjoy the show. So welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. It's been a while since I've done this line. <laughs> I know. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening when? Right, right, right now. now. Right now. Hi, Dom. Hi, Dan. This week on the podcast, we're going to be talking with Casey Cunningham, the author of Conquer Me. Nice. I like Casey. We've met Casey. She's been our keynote speaker before she at has. the Power Exchange Summit. She's presented for us before, so yeah. yeah. And she's going to be talking to us about trust in a power exchange relationship awesome. and how to regain that trust when it's broken. She's actually taught that class at PXS. Mm -hmm. so Absolutely. Awesome. And we also have a question of the day related to adding a third to your relationship. Nice. But before we get there, we are going to point out, hey, hi, video <laughs> thing. We have a brand new camera pointing us at the face. Pointing us at the face. Something like that. And we don't, don't know. You don't get to edit this. No, we don't know how to edit video yet at this point. If this actually works out pretty well, then we'll go ahead and start um, going live and also allowing people to chat and interact with us while we oh podcast. Oh, gosh. We've done that before. And it went oh, horribly. It went horribly. Yes. What was that? Uh, it was some satellite radio yes. thing for the Playboy channel. That was the uh, was XM? XM. Before Sirius XM, it was just XM, XM radio. Yeah. yeah. You're right for the Playboy channel. And that right. was horrible. I, it, and it was horrible because you're sitting here waiting for questions to scroll through the computer. And then you get talking. And then you forget to look at the computer. And then, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can do it. Um, I think so too. The funny thing, the, the audio recorder just quit out on me. So, so what does that mean? Well, it means we're gonna find out how this really works. Oh, to see. I had a little backup source here. See my little backup source. Oh. Video, but it's not working. So we'll see how it works. Okay. So the sound still goes through, like the camera. It does. Stuff? It does. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens because it's across the room. <laughs> it's way over there. Way over there. I can't oh, reach it. Sweetie. Ooh, I'm glasses now. We should put a monitor behind us. So it's... <laughs> I wouldn't be able to watch that. Uh, Don, so we have a question of the day. This came in from a podcast listener. They say, my significant other and I have found a fellow kinkster here locally. We're considering adding her to our dynamic as our girlfriend. This will be a first for us. Can you give us any tips, advice, warning, etc., about adding a third to our dynamic? Then they immediately go into this line. Mm -hmm. I planned for this to be a full three-way triad, whatever today's label might be. All three, one relationship. So there's our first warning tips and advice for this person. Uh -huh. So in I, short. I, I wrote little notes here, and I yes. think the same thing you're getting ready to say. <laughs> in short, my impression is that they are a male-female couple. They've had a third female. They want to add this third female to their relationship. Also known as unicorn hunting. It, yes. Anymore. So when yes. we used to do it, it didn't have a label. It was fine. <laughs> now it, it seems to be judgmental. Yes. Uh, so the first, uh, and then there's the first bit of advice or first mm -hmm. bit of warning for you to recognize that this perspective, this idea of adding a uh, female to an existing relationship is, con is 
called unicorn hunting by some people and thought very poorly of by some people. And that's mm -hmm. just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's the, the key to, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that. The key to it is to simply be very clear in what you're offering at the very beginning of the relationship to say, right. it's me and my partner. And we're, we would like to add you into our existing party. Mm -hmm. And if we are a hierarchical relationship where I consider my other my partner to be my primary, then this you are a secondary, and here's what that means. Mm -hmm. And if there is a thing where if my primary says, look, the relationship's over, then I'm going to automatically turn off the relationship. Let that new person know right up front. That's the way this is going to be. That's what we did. So here, what my first piece of advice for this person would be, is that very clear, mm -hmm. this idea of, so here's exactly what we're offering, and here's what we expect. Here's the role that we hope that you'll fulfill in our life. And here's the situation where we're going to change that. You know, that's you're not going to know all the answers off the front, but be clear with what you do know. Mm -hmm, that's very true, and I, I totally agree with that. But the other thing that, that struck me was is that it says, I plan for this to be a full three-way triad, whatever today's label might be, all three, one relationship. <laughs> It doesn't say we. It says I. This is what I plan. Okay. So what do the other two people plan? Okay. Right? Have they agreed to this? I mean, because the whole even three-way triad thing seems to be, if you read nowadays, it seems to be that's supposed to be your goal. Mm -hmm. That takes everybody into consideration. Everybody's on level playing ground. That's not always the way it is. Right. Right? It can shift up. And so, so. Make sure that you're you're expressing your ideas, like Dan said, your ideas of what this is going to be. Now, the other trick is just because you want it to be that way, mm -hmm. emotions are a funny thing. Right. So yeah. you can go into it, all three of you with the best intentions, saying this is going to be a triad. This is going to be a three way. This is all of us on the same playing field. There's no hierarchy. There's no primary. There's no secondary. There's no jealousy. There's no, we're all going to love each other the same <laughs> sure. way at the same time. And it doesn't happen that way. Right. Right. So the, like you said, the wacky world of emotions, right? Yeah. Uh, we've certainly had many situations where we've either gone into it as a, the two of us adding mm -hmm. a third or having two of us dating a couple mm -hmm. And you have your intention when things get started, but then as you go along, you find out that the the emotional aspect of it changes, that people, um, it may well be you start this relationship with this third person, and you find out that the, the new person and your partner get along fantastic. And you find <laughs> out you don't like this new person as much as you thought you would. Right. You know, or any other dynamic any of other that, combination, right? Yeah. You cannot control anyone's emotions. You can't guess how they're going to go. What you can do is set your intention and be open in your communication and have a continued, you know, make sure. So another piece of advice, make sure you set some time aside and say on Wednesday nights, we're going to sit down and chat. Right. And one of the things that I've heard of lately that you and I never practiced, but it's, it's a really neat idea is this concept of kitchen table polyamory. Mm -hmm. So it's a great idea if I had to look that word up. Yeah. It, it's a it's a newer word. It so. would be neat if you can have the three of you sit down in some neutral spot once a week and say, how are things actually working for you? Understand, it really depends on what you want to bring this person in for. You know, you mentioned it. They're a local kinkster. If what you want to add them to your dynamic for is a quick, sexy time, great. 
don't overthink it. If it's going to be a full-time relationship, like where you know, they move in and exactly right, then you've got some considerations. And, and yeah, I mean, is this not to make it overly complicated, but you do have to think about those things, you know, it, are two of you financially doing this stuff and one's just being added in, well, then you're really not on the same playing field, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, how are you doing all of that? Or is it just sexy fun time? Right. So, but one of the things I do recommend is, is what you were saying is the whole sitting down once a week or something like that. It doesn't have to be that, but if nothing else, have some sort of communication tool. Right. That's what you're going to need. You're going to need a way to talk to each other, figure this out, whether you do it in writing, whether you do it meeting once mm -hmm. a week, whether you do it, whatever works for the three of you. I have no clue what that is. Right. What works for me and Dan may not work for for you. So, But have some sort of communication tool so that when you hit the bumps in the road, you know how to talk about it. Right. So and try to figure that out up front so it doesn't catch you by surprise because you said this is the first time you've tried this. Right first poly relationship, you're going to hit some bumps and we all do. Hell, Dan and I sure, have been doing sure. this for almost 19 years and we still hit bumps in the road. Um, and so communication tools and there was something else I was thinking of and now I can't think of it. The other one that comes to my mind then is the idea of figuring oh, yeah. out what it is that you are going to be able to communicate to say, mm -hmm. if I tell Dawn something, does that automatically find, let then automatically Kat finds out too? Or do Kat and I have communication that is allowed to be just between us, or you and Kat have communication, right? Whoever that third person is, decide if that's acceptable, or if the understanding is that everything is above the board right off the bat. And and I don't mean above the board. The Pretty trick different. is, yeah. And even that's a kind of a the trick word. is if Dawn has some things she needs to talk to me about as my partner, to find out is there an expectation I don't talk to my other partners about that. Yeah, you really want to talk about that up front because I've got personal stuff that I don't want going to your other partners, right? So there's some baggage that I decide who that gets shared with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you need to talk about that up front. Did you remember your other thing? I did. So the other thing was is that, um, I mean, you've got us answering your question, but my other advice is to surround yourself with other poly supportive people, mm -hmm. other poly people not just supportive, right? I've got some monogamous supportive right. friends, but it, it didn't really work out as well as having people that have lived poly and lived successful poly, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't want to surround yourself with the dramatic poly people because that tends to blow things sure, up, sure. right? I'm trying not to be judgmental, but you know, there are some people that are a little more dramatic than others. So you want to find the the stable people that have tried this out. And another way to look at it instead, if you don't like those words, are find people that are that practice a polyamory that you yes. would like to model, right? Um, when you see people and you say, well, hey, I, I, that's the kind of polyamory I'm looking for. Those are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. the, the last bit of advice that I will suggest to you is speaking of, finding people to be around, come to Beyond the Love in November. Oh, right? absolutely. It's, you know, not only, I mean, Dawn and I run this event, and I don't mean to pitch it, but it's 300 poly people, <laughs> right? The reason that we put together this event is so that you can have, surround yourself with a variety of not only poly people that do poly like you do, mm -hmm. but people that don't do poly like right. you do. People that do poly ways you haven't thought about doing, right? Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with people like that and find out what, what what does work for other people and what doesn't work for and we'll be bringing in presenters that teach about communication and teach about that stuff so mm -hmm. if you can't think of what uh communication tool works for you 
we'll have presenters there with tons of ideas so that you can incorporate into your poly or not, yep. right? So. so there is that advice. Let us know how that goes. If you have some thoughts about this and how you, what you recommend for mm -hmm. a uh, new triad, head over to Erotic Awakening Podcast, all one word, on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. So people have been sending us stuff recently. Yeah, physically sending physically us things in the mail. Physically sending us yes. stuff in the mail. This has been kind of cool. So Keith actually sent me a tentacle game, mm -hmm. and I haven't had a chance to look at it. I've been... Uh, out celebrating an anniversary with Big D and you know things like that, and we've been busy and, and stuff. So I've opened it, but I haven't had a chance King, to play King it Geeky yet. is coming up this Friday. King, King so Geeky is this Friday, so we're hoping to break it out and take a look at it. But the fun part about that <laughs> is the was um, in. Uh, so Karen, who's our poly party that lives with us, she got a box in the mail that on the outside of the box it has all these stamps on it that says, "Let me see if I get it exactly." Penis size reduction pills. <laughs> Our stamps all over outside this box. <laughs> so, because we've got two sides of the house, and all the boxes get delivered to her front door. Yeah, yeah. So it's either her or her mom who <laughs> left out her mom. dog yeah. that brings the boxes in. So, so I've got a feeling it was Karen's mom that probably. brought the box in, and it does. It has what? It, what is it? Penis reduction? Penis size reduction pill? Yeah, all yeah. over it. Uh, and it's got a little <laughs> subtext to it. I wouldn't be taking them if I didn't need it. Um, so. Keith, when he, he said, I got to send you something, and you guys have a good sense of humor? And I said, yeah, I think yeah. we have a sense of humor. Yeah. I found that shit funny as hell. <laughs> I thought that was quite hilarious. Well, I'm going to have to ask Karen's mom if she brought in anything interesting and does she have any questions. Right. She may not. No, we're not going to ask mom that. The funny thing is it did come with some uh, penis size reduction pills. They're little sugar pills. Yeah. Yeah. They say very clearly on there that any um, time any time that these pills might actually reduce penis size is purely coincidental. <laughs> I'm not taking them just in just case. Just in case. Yes. Nice. Just in nice. case. So, yeah. So that was that was fun to receive. That was yep, cool. Absolutely. That was awesome. Thank, Thank you, Keith. Keith. That was fun. Thanks. So, awesome. All right. So we have Instagram now. So we're doing a lot with Instagram recently. <laughs> and I think you like taking these pictures. You know, I was doing really good on a picture uh, every day uh -huh. in a, for a while. Right. Well, especially while we're traveling and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's and funny. then we stopped traveling and everything. And it's really hard to take a picture. When you're you're just home doing the shit that you do, right? right? Uh, for those that are watching the video, wondering what the hell I'm doing, I am taking a picture, picture. right now. Oh, look, there's Wait, a, 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 okay. Doo -doo -doo. Okay, there Yay. we go. Hi. There you go. There's the Instagram <laughs> picture of the day. It's very meta. I took a picture while you're on video watching us. Um, so our Instagram, random Instagram follower of the day. Oh, is Hamdike. So one of our local people that we know. Right? One of our local people, and she's one of our volunteers. Absolutely. So that's actually kind of neat. Because usually it's kind of neat because you're like, oh yeah, it's a local person. Of course they signed up. No, actually the local people that know us don't sign up for our stuff. Right. You don't know how many local people have not heard our podcast, and our podcast is nine and a half years old. It's because <laughs> they hear us all the time. Sure. And, but I kind of prefer that because yeah. I was actually uh, flirting with somebody the other day uh -huh. and she was telling me a story and I was like, oh man, I got to tell a story too. So we're sharing stories. <laughs> and she's like, well, and I was listening to the podcast on the way over and I was like, well, fuck, what am I supposed to talk about? Right. I talked about it. Right. Well, that was like the person, remember in Polly Columbus when we were with the UU church 
And um, I started telling the story and I didn't know she had bought our book. Right? Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. So I started telling the story and she's like, oh yeah, I just read that. And she had this Kindle and she's flipping pages <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's right here. And then later I started telling another story. She's like, oh, and I'm like, man, I got no more stories. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why we're working on another book, too, because we use up all of our more stories. Yeah, true. So, Don, we've been talking about our 50 dirty questions that will turn oh, on both okay. you and your partner and yeah. make you want sex. Okay. Uh, these have been actually better questions than what some of the ones we've dealt with. That is true. So, is true. here we go with number, uh, this one happens to be number 27. Don, have you ever blindfolded or handcuffed your partner? Have I yeah. ever blindfolded or handcuffed my partner? No, no, I was with somebody else. I was with Smiley Face uh -huh. and she blindfolded me. I don't think, I think she, she blindfolded you. Yes. I have a feeling she asked me to blindfold you and I said I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of ringing a bell. But um, so she ended up blindfolding you. You sat on the couch and listened to us have a fisting scene. Right. So, yeah. Which was hot, but even... Um... That couple that we used to date, K and or C and K. Uh huh. You never and you were topping C. Oh, for a I little was topping C yeah. for a while. Uh, not my preferred place, which is why we didn't last too long. Um, did I ever blindfold him? Maybe I did. I kind of got a vision of that when we did a uh, cabin <laughs> in Hocking Hills. So, because that's an easy thing I can do as a yeah, top, yeah. right? And it doesn't take a lot of skill. So, I would imagine I did it. I would point. say you probably, I have a feeling that I was blindfolded for that three women touching me scene that you set up. And I'm not sure. I think you were. Yeah. Which means I blindfolded you then. Well, there you go. Oh, I've been getting toppy. Yeah. <laughs> Over 18 years. That's two. Whoa. No, because when you play with me blindfolded, you put on your own blindfold. Yeah. So, so not only have I blindfolded you plenty of times, mm -hmm. I've blindfolded other partners. I've handcuffed and tied up other partners. I also blindfold myself on occasion. Mm -hmm. You've not handcuffed yourself, though. When I top, no, that would be, <laughs> that's some 301 have shit there. Have you handcuffed yourself when you bottomed? No, I haven't handcuffed okay. myself when I bottomed, but I have had my hands immobilized when I bottomed. Oh, yeah. Um, when I've done, like, well, because you haven't bottomed much, so when would that have been? I don't know that I have had my hands immobilized. No, I've only oh, been wow. tied up once, and it was such a horrible experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do yeah, you have another one in mind? Your ritual. That was well, yeah. That that's a second. I did time, tie you, but that wasn't really that bottoming was a ritual. For a that scene. Wasn't bottoming. That's true. Speaking of which, we have a ordeal ritual. Pop interview coming up we do. on an upcoming episode yeah, as well. That's, that's going to be pretty interesting. But you were saying, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you when you were saying, so what happened the first time you were tied up? Um, I believe it was <laughs> ex-wife number one. One? Okay. Yeah, and I hated being tied up okay. so much so that I've never repeated it. Okay. Not my thing. <laughs> not I like being the tire, not the yes. tie <laughs> Um So, Dawn, the next question is, does naughty talk get you aroused? Absolutely. Yes, and we know it does. We know it does, and because we just did a, a naughty talk class workshop over the weekend in New York, right? Yeah. So last weekend, 
we were up in uh, uh, near Albany, New York, near Albany, New York. Right. And we were doing a workshop at a retreat center. So mm -hmm. there was probably what, 60 people yep. or whatever. Yep. And they're all crowded in, in the, the, the dungeon space where we're teaching and, and we're teaching naughty talk. We had taught sensual spanking the night before and that was hot. Mm -hmm. but, oh, my God, our naughty talk class. I forgot how hot that makes me. I didn't really forget, but man, when you're that fucking hot in the middle of your own workshop, yeah, that's yeah. Well, it, we did actually some new things in that naughty talk. I did uh -huh. some body motion stuff that I don't normally do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we got to, to demonstrate a few things. We did. That was yeah. <laughs> I seem to recall starting a relationship or two after we start that class. Uh, yeah, that one or the flirting class. Yes, yeah. those are the ones that normally when I Usually teach those that we end you up with. Walk away yeah. with a girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know if I need to teach that more or less at this point. <laughs> uh, and then the follow-up question to that, are you, this is a follow-up to does Naughty Talk get you aroused? And in case you talk, we actually, we've done a number of podcasts on Naughty Talk mm -hmm. and we'll do another podcast on Naughty Talk. It's something that we actually practice and teach a fair amount. Oh yeah. Oh, and honestly, Naughty Talk is something I used to not be able to do. Yeah. Right? Because Naughty Talk meant talking the slutty stuff out of my head. Mm -hmm. Right? And couldn't do that with the ex-husband. Or I had to be quiet, right? right? Because there was kids in the house or apartment or wherever we were at. So now that I can get that out there, I think that's just part of the hotness. Now that I can actually vocalize what it is that's screaming in my head. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it takes a lot of energy to shut that voice up. Yeah. Right? If you can just let it out. Once you've taught flow, yourself mm -hmm. that it's okay to just be instinctive and let it go, it's much it's easier to just let mm -hmm. it go. It's easier if the other person likes naughty talk or it actually gives the other person clues of what it is right. that you might like, what you might not like, what, you know, things like that. So it's kind of clues of how to get that play to be a little hotter, too. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have to actually do a podcast on this now because it's a good topic to I talk know. about. Well, that's, yeah. But finding that um, that thing that they want to say and uh -huh. pulling and making them say it to pull it out of them, that's, that's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. It's not necessarily this. Uh, oh, so the follow-up does naughty talk get you aroused. Are you sure about that, my dirty little forest nymph of a sex goddess? Forest nymph of a sex goddess. Dirty little forest nymph of okay, a sex goddess. Okay, that works. As long yeah. as dirty is in there, that <laughs> would work. <laughs> we have a variety of new subscribers to the newsletter, including Neophyte Ashen from Detroit. Driving Potato from Idaho. Winning the contest for best <laughs> name so far. And Andrew from Utah. Awesome. Get your EA shout out. Head over to eroticawakening.com and you'll find a link to the EA newsletter. I should have one going out soon simply because BTL is coming up. So mm -hmm. I like to send out information on that because tickets are on sale soon. Yes, like, uh, actually. Um, I don't know if you noticed my email from earlier. Excalibur. I, I, I noticed when it came through. Yes, Excalibur figured out. <laughs> how to, to buy tickets prior to them even going on sale. Yeah, so. I didn't think they were on sale yet. And then no. I saw the two VIP passes. So yes. if well, you're good thinking, for them. because they want their VIP passes and we've only got a few. Yeah. Right. So if you're thinking you want a BTL VIP pass, you might want to sneak over there and see if you can figure out how to buy them as well. Tell, them, tell you more about Beyond the Love <laughs> next podcast because tickets Absolutely. are actually be on sale. Mm -hmm. Uh, so really neat, oh, this one. This um, was so exciting. I kind of hate BuzzFeed. It's always the 15 most this and the 7 most this and the 8. It's a list sort of thing. And it's always kind of, you know, just stuff. Eight, <laughs> eight flavors of ice cream that will help you lose weight sort oh, of thing, okay. right? Okay. Um, 
Until, until we're on the damn thing. <laughs> so BuzzFeed recently published 14 erotic BDSM books. I should books have brought a copy of the book here. Better than 50 Shades of Grey. 14 erotic BDSM books better than 50 Shades of Grey. That's and why was that interesting? <laughs> Sorry, I will not was, say that's all was, of that. I I've read some really crappy. That's true, true. But it was really interesting because that, that link was sent to us. Who was it that sent us the link? It was somebody that was researching something else and that popped up on uh -huh. there. And, and they're like, oh, my God, look at this. You guys are like number three. And it was our sex stories in power exchange, yeah. so, which we don't talk about a lot. We talk about living a mess a lot. But we also have sex stories in power exchange, and it made it number three. I mean, it was actually, I don't know if they did it in order of popularity or what they did, but it was actually like number three. And it was before a couple of other iconic books. Yeah, yeah, which was kind of interesting. That was kind of interesting. So now, and we know those iconic books are in the leather archives and museums, and so is our books. Well, there you go. Yeah. Maybe that's how they got their list. BuzzFeed stopped by there and looked through the books and said, oh, this one, this one. This one. I, I don't know. That, I but... saw some of the other books I'd never heard of before. But, uh, but that was really interesting. That was exciting. That makes the whole oh, yeah, one to get the, the books written again. So regardless of that, if you enjoyed Fifty Shades of Grey and you need a book to read, apparently, according to BuzzFeed, <laughs> Sex Stories and Power Exchange by Dana Dawn is something you should pick up. Yay. Dawn, did you know that the BuzzFeed podcast is higher rated than Erotic Awakening? God, no, no, no. Take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, <laughs> Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube even, or wherever you listen. Or just tell your friends. So getting to our interview any moment now. First, we have to tell you about tentacles because yes. we have more tentacles. We've got a shitload of tentacles. So I love the tentacles. I just found that tentacle t-shirt you got me for my birthday. Oh, good. It's in the filing cabinet. So I've been looking for it. I keep extra Did you file clothes. It under no, I keep extra clothes in my filing cabinet. So my Wonder Woman underwear is yes, there, yes, yes. and and my temple T-shirt. So so that's kind of cool. Um, so we have Bungie. Welcome back, Bungie. It was so good <laughs> to hear from you. Um, this was hand drawn art. So he's got someone that draws art, and they don't know who I am, <laughs> but he has to draw the art. So it's just really neat. And then Basanos sent in a tentacle dress via Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then Dawn, not me, sent in a T-shirt, which is an octopus reading a book. That was cute. <laughs> but then Shiny Servant, who we actually met at the NLA Utah event. Remember that? Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember the event. I remember Shiny Servant, too. Yeah, yeah. So And so they sent me, and it's a comic. <laughs> and it's a comic strip, right? So I forget what they're called, but it's just a panel. Mm -hmm. like a panel, right? right? right so it's right, like right. six different comics. And it shows the... The tentacle monster and he's getting ready to have sex with this hot woman right mm -hmm. and you see the next frame where he starts putting on a, tent, or a condom and then the next frame he's putting on the other condom and then it shows her and she's yawning mm -hmm. and it shows him putting on more condoms and then the final frame is her pulling out a book to read because he's still putting on condoms which is why i thought that was so funny <laughs> Glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> that was good. So thank you, Shiny Servant and Bungie and Basanos and Dawn and anybody else I may have forgotten. And food on boobs? Uh, not zero. Not at all. Oh, my gosh. I need a different perv or a different uh, fetish, apparently, something people will send because people love sending you tentacles. They do. They're fun. <laughs> uh, I, oh, well, I even went home. Okay. So I have a sister that knows like everything about me. Mm -hmm. She's not into anything I do, but she knows everything about me. And when I went out to visit uh, two weekends ago, we drove by a glass shop, like mm -hmm. a gift shop and a yeah. glass shop. 
and it had a chandelier in the window that looked like tentacles. <laughs> she said that every time she drives by there, she thinks of me. She doesn't even want to know what it is I like about tentacles. <laughs> like, we, no. we had somebody write in not too long ago and say, what is this whole tentacle report thing about? And yeah, then they looked that. it up. Yeah, yeah. Side note, don't type in tentacle porn at work. Don't, don't. Probably clear that you shouldn't do that. Uh, and then finally, we did want to mention to you, we uh, recently went to, as you mentioned a little bit ago, mm -hmm. the Weekend of Wickedness. Over yeah. in Albany, New York, fantastic event. It's been going on there for uh, many, many years. 14, I think. Yeah. 16 something years. Something it's been like going that. on for yeah. quite a while. Our first opportunity to be out there. Really neat event when you go to an event that's got 40, 50 people, 60 people in this case, mm -hmm. and you spend the entire event at the location. So right. they feed you, you shower oh, there, you sleep food. there, the yeah. whole thing. Uh, it's really neat way to get to know people. Similar to the NLA weekend we did mm -hmm. up in Utah. Utah. Yep, at that cabin. Um, yeah. Huge so really cabin. neat when you have an opportunity to do that. If you have the opportunity to go to Albany, New York for the Weekend of Wickedness um, event next year, we highly recommend it. And uh, that takes the person we've seen most recently, the podcast listener we've seen most recently, is Smile Eyes. Awesome. Who um, posted on their on their FetLife group saying, oh, sweet, I can't believe you have to meet Dan and Dawn. <laughs> meet us, you did. You met the hell out of me. Yep. Uh, if you would like to meet us as well, we will be heading to Holland, Michigan on August 25th to uh, present with Second Story. And following that in September 6th through the 9th, you'll find us in Indianapolis at the GLLA. So, and we've actually got some um, local people coming out to GLLA this time yeah. that haven't been that are really interested in leather and things like that. That's so, we're gonna really be pretty excited neat. about checking that out. And we get to spend some time we've got coke coming up too we didn't oh, yeah. put that on here Gosh. we've got coke that's in two weeks and i was just thinking because kevin and katie are going to be there so we're going to be spending some time with kevin and katie and going to go going to go out and spend some time with them and then they're going to drive us back here in time for cope so that's going to be awesome i've got some play dates set up i do too i'm all excited <laughs> um, um anybody know uh-huh. Good. <laughs> so, Don, you and I have been in this power exchange relationship for since March 1st of 2001, according to that. March, March 3rd? 3rd yeah. 2001. I didn't really read it. I know. It, well, it's wearing off. Yes. I can't really see it so well anymore. So, over that course of uh, 17 years, mm -hmm. has there ever been a time or a situation where you have found yourself lacking in trust for your master? Lacking in trust? No, there's not that I can think of. There's been at least one time that I can think of that if you'd have handled it in a different way, it really mm -hmm. would have broken trust. But with the way you handled it, even though how you handled it was risky in that I could have reacted a totally different way, right? Mm -hmm. And you still took the risk in telling me and being totally transparent. Because you did that, it kept the trust. Mm -hmm. instead of breaking the trust, which is what would have happened if I'd have found out a different way. Right. 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 Or later, or, you know, it comes up in a story later or something, you know, <laughs> that, that was, yes, that would have totally broken us, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but with the way you handled it. And, and so because of the way you've handled the tough situations and um, so far from what <laughs> I can think of, because I'm sitting here like, have I forgotten something? I don't think so. I don't mm -hmm. think there's been anything that, 
that has broken that mm-hmm. trust. Well, we've been very fortunate over that. I mean, we've managed to maintain a single power exchange relationship for some 17 years. Mm-hmm. Very fortunate, and but a lot of hard work in that. Um, so we've not really had to deal with the situation where a power exchange couple that has some kind of a trust-breaking item right. and having to live through that. Right. Fortunately for us, we have Casey Cunningham, author of Conquer mm-hmm. Me, on the podcast coming up right after this. And she has had some situations that she has some expertise around and going to share that with us. Awesome. If you're watching the video and thinking that Casey's about to walk in that door, not yeah. happening. You're going to have to listen to the audio parts. Other than that, um, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Awesome. So throughout the lifespan of the podcast, people asking, often asking us about trust and how do you regain trust in an MS relationship. Fortunately for us today, we have Casey Cunningham, the author of Conquer Me and a uh, once a keynote speaker at Power Exchange Summit, as well as somebody who does all kinds of cool stuff on the podcast today. And Casey, my understanding is that you have some familiarity with regaining trust in an MS relationship. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I took that information that I I gained um, from so many years of experience and I turned it into a class. This content is not available in my book. So right now it's only available if you see me in person and come to this class or listen to this podcast. Oh, fantastic. Well, I appreciate you bringing us in on that. So what is your background in I mean, just in general, regaining trust in an MS relationship, does that imply that you've had some challenges in that area? I think that everybody has challenges in that area. Trust is um, trust is a fragile thing. And as a result, what we often find or what I have found um, is that while it can be repaired, it takes a concerted effort and a knowledge of responsibility of your own foibles, I think, in order to kind of get to a point where you're able to start at the bottom and rebuild that foundation. And so I think that the challenges that I have faced in rebuilding trust within my own power exchange relationships um, has hopefully at least proven helpful to to those I've, I've tried to help with that knowledge. So are you willing to or able to share a specific example of where your trust might be challenged or even even betrayed? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty common um, that in what I have seen in power exchange relationships, particularly. And I did write about this a little bit in the book in terms of active submission and active dominance. It's common when maybe life factors are getting in the way. Maybe somebody's working a lot of overtime or is ill or both. And so the power exchange can kind of go by the wayside. And you hear people talk about how real life gets in the way. I've never really liked that turn of phrase because for me, power exchange is my real life. It's a big, huge part of who I am as a person and how I choose to interact with the world and my relationships. So for Mm -hmm. me, if the power exchange goes away, I start to lose trust in um, the ability of my partner to carry the weight of my submission. So when that happens, I I notice um, a lot of symptoms in the relationship. Maybe I'm not having the service heart that I would like to approach my tasks with. Maybe I'm feeling reluctant or defiant or disobedient. 
And as I start to realize that these symptoms are coming up, I think to myself, oh, these are symptoms of a trust, you know, an impacted trust. And so when we sit down and we determine where the trust is failing, what I have seen as the most pervasive issue is this sort of slow degrading of trust over time when the consistency and a constancy in your power exchange have become lacking rather than a big betrayal. That is something that does happen from time to time, but it's not the thing I see the most often. And it's not the thing people talk to me about the most often. I would agree that those betrayals of trust can be far more impactful. I would not agree that power exchange is more fragile, but here's the reason why. I think that power exchange relationships, at least as I have experienced them, are far more resilient than vanilla relationships. Because even though those betrayals of trust may still occur, if you have a good power exchange foundation and you have the necessary basis of communication, you can easily say to your owner, you know, what you did was disrespectful and not becoming of an owner. And I'd really like to talk to you about it because I'd really like to work on what it's going to take to get us back to a good place where I can trust you with my submission again. Being right. able to say that to your partner, I think, is a huge part of what it takes to rebuild trust. Um, so when you do experience a breach of trust, to know that you are not alone, to know that you have you know, gone through this, but so have others before you, and that there is a little bit of a path you can follow that you have already kind of um, set up in your relationship in terms of whatever your protocols are, I think that that can be really beneficial and that that communicative foundation can assist power exchange relationships in, you know, uh, in bouncing back in ways that vanilla relationships don't. Because what happens when in the, in the instance that you gave in the example you provided, sure, you may forgive and forget and move on, but you don't really forgive and forget. It just festers and it becomes one point of resentment that you throw in each other's faces for the next five years every time you have a fight. That should not be the way things work in a power, in a functioning power exchange relationship. And, and that's a great distinction between a power exchange and a functioning power exchange relationship. So uh, once you've had an issue and we'll say something of a, you know what? Not a huge one, but, you know, I said I was going to come home from work and actually or I stopped at the bar with the friends, whatever it is, something along those lines. How do you begin that process once you've acknowledged that there's been what we that what we've been calling a betrayal of trust? How do you begin that process of rebuilding, recovering from that? Well, I think that the, you know, the, the first couple of steps are actually pretty simple. You, the person whose trust has been impacted should establish by him or herself what aspect of trust is impacted. Is this a single event? Is this an overall trust degradation? And if it's a single event, um, it's actually a little bit easier in my experience to come back from. So then you kind of move into the, the second step, which would be to establish if you're willing to try to rebuild the trust. If it's something where, you know, you said you were on your way home and then you stopped off, you were a couple of hours late. It's, it's different than if you were out till 3 a.m. and I was calling every hospital in town. So the amount of trust that has been 
neglected or impacted negatively is also a factor. So you have to kind of take that into consideration. As you move forward down the line, you then bring your partner into it and you two get together. You honestly assess, honestly being the operative word, what happened? Why was that trust breached? Why did you not feel that you could simply say, hey, I've had a really rough day. I'm going to stop off for a, a cocktail with my friends and then I'll be home for dinner later. What was going on that you felt you couldn't come to me with that? Do you see what I'm saying? So we have to mm -hmm. honestly assess what was going on that caused that to happen and how we can make it so that it's always a safe place for you to communicate the truth to me. That's going to help us prevent this in the future. Are there any issues where you say, you know what, you're not going to recover trust from that one, right? Absolutely. Um, and these are the big the ones where people think of, you know, when you think of betrayal of trust, the first thing that comes to my mind is cheating, right? It's a big one, yeah. If your or your submissive cheats on you, is that a point where you just say, look, there's no recovery from this, buddy. You better pack a bag. Absolutely. And everybody's deal breakers are going to be different. Um my my personal deal breaker is going to be something along the lines of, you know, if you cheat on me, I am willing to, I'm a polyamorous person in addition to being in power exchange. So there really is no need. I mean, if you want to experience something with another partner, you just have to ask me if I'm, you know, if, if I'm okay with it. Um, and even if I'm not okay with it, I'm going to find a way to work around that because I don't want to hold you back from your happiness. So my deal breakers are very flexible. Um, but there are certainly situations where, you know, you learn over time, or maybe there's just a big event that you know that you can't get past. Um, that does happen and it's sad when it happens, but I think that what we do so often is that we expect that we're going to be able to move through anything, that love will be enough and or the power exchange, if that is what our relationships are based on, will be enough to, to move us through those difficult times. And the, the point is that they aren't really. Um, power exchange and love, um, which are not mutually inclusive, are only as strong as the tools that we are willing to use to keep them moving forward, to keep them growing and healthy. If you have an overall healthy power exchange or love or both relationship and somebody cheats, it could still be a deal breaker. You can look at that person and say, I can't believe you would do this to me. I'm not willing to work on the trust and, and getting it back with you. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Everybody gets to have their boundaries and their deal breakers. Um, the, the man that I was with, my former master, um, and I are no longer together romantically or in a power exchange relationship. The person I was with when I wrote Conquer Me. Um, and trust had a huge part in why we are no longer together. We're still on good terms. We're friendly. Um, but we realized that we had moved to a point where we simply did not have the necessary spoons or tools to rebuild the trust that had been so damaged between us. And we decided to, to let ourselves kind of move on to other pastures. Um, so I have personally experienced when you reach that point as well of hitting that deal breaker. Um, so I, I know what that's like too, when it comes to the point that you can't rebuild trust any further. Okay. How do you know when you get to that point? How do you know when you've gotten to that, I'm willing to put the work in, but it doesn't 
it's I'm enough. This is enough. It's, it's time for me to move on. Well, for me, it happened when I no longer felt compelled to submit to him. Um, and I can only talk about my own experience here. I don't feel comfortable using the experiences of others. And this is something that I talk about a lot. Trust and relationships are obviously the topics of many conversations that I have in a community uh, just and in life in general. But in my own experience, it happened when I realized that I no longer felt called to his feet. And when I realized that I no longer had enough trust in our relationship and our ability to bounce back together as a unit, that I was lacking that core need to submit to him in that way, I realized shortly after noticing that the lack of that feeling that we simply weren't going to work anymore. Um, and I waited, it was actually in, it was in November of 2016 when I experienced this. Um, and you know, all of my friends and everything said, well, you know, you're wait through the holidays. It's very stressful right now. Don't make any major life changing decisions. So I said, okay, that's, that's sensible advice. I'm going to follow that advice. You know, and I, and I went through the motions and I, I did the things that were expected of me and I made it until January after the holidays and realized that I still felt that way. But even after giving it some time to heal, I still did not feel compelled to obey him and to submit to him any longer. And he deserves someone who wants that, who can't live without that. And I deserve someone that I feel that way for. And so I went to him and I said, look, this is where I'm at and I love you, but I don't think that we're, that we're going to work any longer. And he said, you know, you're not the only one that has noticed this. And, you know, maybe you're right and we're better off transitioning into something more like friends. Um, and that didn't happen right away. Obviously, when you first go to your partner and you say, look, this isn't working for me, it's difficult, obviously. But, but we managed to, um, to live out our lease together. We had made the decision to part ways in such a fashion that we were responsible adults about it. And I think that leaving the relationship prior to every single ounce of trust being eradicated is what allowed us to do that. Okay. I, I think I want to find out, I want to hear, and hopefully I can hear, of a situation either you've been directly involved in or that you know of somebody's been involved in where they've had to trust issue that they've had to face and come out stronger or better or still together and say, you know what, we learned from that, we grew from it, and it wasn't the end of the world. It felt like it at that time. Oh, yeah. But we recover. Absolutely. And I, I have an excellent, and it's actually related to cheating. I know of an MS couple, um, one that I love and admire both members of. Several years ago, um, I guess it would probably be about three, three and a half years ago now, um, the master had an interaction with another woman that his slave um, considered to be cheating. And... Given that their MS ostensibly allowed for him to have this interaction with this woman, you know, the slave in the relationship felt kind of guilty and torn initially over her over her reaction. She said, you know, I feel cheated on, even though technically as the master, it's within his right to do this. So in addition to feeling cheated on, I feel like a failure as a slave, you know, so she was really going through a lot emotionally. 
And we kind mm -hmm. of bonded over that. We talked a lot about it and I listened a lot to what she was going through. And I had the opportunity to sit back and witness the way that they came back together. And she and I talked at length about rebuilding trust and the steps that she could take. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm willing to talk with him or listen to him, or you can share this information with him. I'm okay with that. And he never came to me specifically um, about this matter, but she and I really became very close about it. That was years ago. And this couple is um, is stronger than ever because what they realized in that experience is that even though you may not want to have a limit, it's there. And we don't always get mm -hmm. to choose what they are. For her, being in a monogamous MS relationship means that both parties will remain fully monogamous. And as they had the opportunity to explore more of what monogamy meant to them and how they wanted to pursue monogamy, they were able to define those edges, those outer boundaries and determine what was going to work for them in terms of moving forward. And they were able to sit down with one another and work through the steps of rebuilding that trust and not give up on it because they felt that their relationship was definitely worth fighting for. And that one event was not sufficient to end the whole relationship. That's not to say that there weren't some spectacular fireworks when it first happened. I mean, there were, because when it first happens, it does feel like the end of the world, but when the sun keeps right. shining and the world keeps spinning, you have to figure out how you're going to live in this new world with this new knowledge that you've, that you've gained about your partner and yourself and how you want to assimilate that knowledge into your relationship moving forward. And so I've had the opportunity to really witness them come together and to redefine what their relationship means and to continue to deepen that MS relationship. I, mm -hmm. I won't name names because that would be disrespectful, but I will tell you that this couple is one that I admire deeply. And when I think about how I want to live in an MS relationship, they are very much the model that I have in my head even after this event. And I think that in all honesty, had they not suffered this, this event that they went through together, I don't know that they would be where they are today. I think that it was formative in some ways for them. Very cool. Well, and, and I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and I actually, I honestly, I believe with you that I think that the power exchange relationships can be very resilient and all relationships can be strengthened by, you know, it's it's the scars that make us who we are sometimes. Right, exactly. Uh, Going through something that's really emotional and, and, and deep with your partner can be an extremely bonding experience if you choose for it to be. She mm -hmm. would have been well within her rights to pack her shit and leave, but she chose not to. And... Because she yeah. chose not to, she made an active decision to say, no, this is worth it. I'm going to work through this, even though it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Right. And now she's right. back and, and say, I did that hard thing. What else am I capable of? Once you've gotten through that, what else can slow us down? Exactly. And that's, that's very much where I see them at today. They are incredibly strong in their MS. Um, and that is the foundation. And they're very deeply in love. You can see it when they're together. But you can also see, it's very visible that their MS is the foundation of their relationship. That not the love relationship. 
Do you think that there's a problem to find that balance between I want to be able to trust you, so I need you to explain this and that because that helps my trust, right? But the other side of it is this is a power exchange relationship. If I say shut up, sit down, obey, I don't have to explain myself to you. You just have to be willing to give me trust blindly. And I I think – you see that, obviously, you see that as something that uh, wannabe doms use on some of the social media sites to meet, meet right. people. But certainly, it's a legitimate thing in some power exchange relationships to say, to say, look, I, I do not want your opinion. And I want your feedback. And I'm not going to explain. I'm going to be back home. I get off work at 5. I'll be home at 10. And it, I'll do whatever I please between 5 and 10. And it's none of your business. And that in some power exchange relationships, that's completely legitimate. But how do you, how, where does trust lie in there? I mean, maybe you just can't do that and be trusted. What do you, what do you think about that? If my partner called me today and said, Hey, you know, I'm leaving work at four. Uh, My plans have changed. I'm not going to be home until 10. And that was all the information I got. Um, I would have questions And if he said, no, I'm not in a place to answer questions right now, you're just going to have to trust me on this, I would leave it alone. And then when I saw him later, I would say, hey, is there something that we need to talk about? You know, is anything wrong? I'm here for you. Because my first concern is making sure that he's he's happy, that he's healthy, that he's got what he needs. Um, And if that's what he needs to do, then I'm not going to start worrying until 10 o'clock. But if he tells me I'll be home at 10 and doesn't show up until 3 a.m., and I've called every hospital in town, that's going to be a different story. You say, I'll be home at 10 and no, I'm not explaining my whereabouts. I can live with that in a power exchange sense. But then you need to be home at 10 because I'm a warrior. (laughs) So that's how I would, I would kind of encapsulate it in my head because I agree with you. I think that given a power exchange relationship, there are times where you don't get an explanation. Certainly it does help. And when, you know, it's like being a parent in the sense that I don't always have time to stop and explain to you why I'm telling you no, but I promise you there is a good reason. And, you know, I I have a teenager now, so I have a, a human being in my authority who can be reasoned with. So it's much easier to say, look, this is why I'm telling you this. And once he knows the reason, he's much more likely to obey. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't catch that. You say you have a Not teenager yeah. or somebody. That He's 17. My son is. So there's a human being under my authority who I can tell no to. Well, I can reason with him to a degree. <laughs> Some he's still going to do what he wants, but he'll at least listen to me. Yeah. In a power exchange relationship, I think it's very similar in the sense that the the master doesn't always have the opportunity, the ability or the desire to explain him or herself. And the submissive sometimes needs to be able to say, okay, I trust you enough that I don't require an explanation to obey you in this matter. But where that line is, is going to be different for every relationship. Right. Well, I, I feel like we're just at the beginning of this conversation. 
So, because I know you have a 90 minute class around this and obviously you have a lot of experience and such to rely on. So if people want to find out more, either where you're presenting this class or find your book, how do they, how do they do well, that? Well, my book, Conquer Me, um, with a foreword written by Jay Wiseman. It has a subtitle that I hate, but it's on Amazon. It's available on Kindle. Um, people can also reach out to me directly um, on FetLife. I am on there pretty frequently. And my username is slave underscore Casey, K-A-C-I-E. Um, I do respond to FET mail fairly frequently. Um, so if you get a hold of me there, I'm usually able to respond within a day or two. And I do get a lot of FET mail um, asking about the book or asking about my class. If anybody hears this and would like me to present this class, they can definitely reach out to me there. I'm also available at Casey Haven, H-A-V-E-N at gmail.com. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate the time you spent with me today. And um, I will say, and, and I don't know if I've ever um, relied the, relayed this to you before, but you presented for us out at PXS many years ago. And the next year, I asked you to do our keynotes. And do you know why I asked you to you do know, the keynote? I, I don't think we ever talked about it. I saw after your one of your presentations... Um, you and somebody who was in that class huddled in a corner and I could see that it was obviously an emotional conversation for that person, but you were very compassionate and very uh, giving of your time. And you went from being the presenter of a class to just another submissive lending support. And I always appreciated and uh, respected that. And, uh, and I still do today. So thank you for being on the podcast, and I'm glad I got a chance oh, to share Thank you that. so much, Dan. You're going to leave me crying here at the end of this interview, but I appreciate your kind words. Thank you so much. Today was a good day to hear that. Well, I, I leave women crying, and I talk to them all the time. So I hope this is a better one than women. <laughs> all right, no Casey, problem. thank you, you very much. Have a wonderful day. Let me know when this is going to air.